coming to you from a cozy little condo high atop old Fort Ward, Atlanta. Welcome, Welcome to The Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts. All right, let's do this Monday thing, I guess, if we have to. And, well, at this hour, we already have a lot of us. So thank you for listening. Hopefully, you are either on your way home, maybe you're already home, maybe you work from home, and you just enjoy listening to the America One radio app. You can have your Amazon Echo device, you know her name, A-L-E-X-A. You can tell her to enable the America One radio app, and she will. And listen to this show, the shows before me, the shows after wherever you are. Okay, cool. Or wherever your Amazon Echo or Echo Dot is with you. Obviously, uh, the America One radio app is on your iTunes store. Also, the Google Play market, easy for me to say. And then you can take this show and all of the other shows on America One radio, wherever you are. Okay, enough about that. Let's talk about all the stuff we missed over the weekend. Uh, Where do we go? Do we go with the coup? The Sort of coup, the semi-coup, the coup. That's my idea of a half a coup. It really wasn't. Although I feel like had things continued to snowball, like I feel like this was one of those moments where, like when you watch a baseball game and a runner on the bases realizes he can just kind of swipe the next base without anybody looking. And then sometimes the other team is looking and that player goes, oh, I was kidding, and then goes back. That's kind of what I feel like was happening. Oh, no, just kidding. I I wasn't really going to steal that base. Yeah, I kind of feel like that might have been what was happening over the weekend in Russia. But i not going to lie. I think there's kind of something uh, a little delicious watching Putin's Russia slide into a potential civil war after enduring years in these United States of he and his hacks meddling in American affairs, looking to induce us into one. So good luck with that, Vlad. Uh, Let's see. Speaking of despicable people, another Nazi rally literally across the street from a Cobb County synagogue. Disgusting, repugnant, revolting, reprehensible, and yet State troopers, GBI, nobody showed up to bully them away like they would if, I don't know, they were defending a forest because the First Amendment applies to those people, to those despicable human beings, to those cretins. Governor Brian Kemp tweeting, there is absolutely no place for this hate and anti-Semitism in our state. I share in the outrage over this shameful act and stand with Georgians everywhere in condemning it. We remain vigilant in the face of these disgusting acts of bigotry. Okay, that's cool. But I don't even know that the sort of language he used for that was as sharp as he was after three Atlanta Solidarity Fund volunteers were arrested. I don't know, you be the judge. Back then he tweeted, Today's announcement is a reminder that we will track down every member of a criminal organization from violent foot soldiers to their uncaring leaders. We will not rest until they are arrested, tried, and face punishment. Anyone else, the presumption of guilt, you notice that? The presumption of guilt and face punishment. Not tried and face punishment if guilty, but period. Attorney General Chris Carr back then said, Today's arrests are about the violence that occurred at the site of the future Atlanta Public Safety Training Center and elsewhere. 
As we have said before, we will not rest until we have held accountable every person who has funded, organized, and participated in this violence and intimidation. Both of those state elected leaders, the Attorney General and the Governor, using the word intimidation. Well, what is a group of Nazis literally holding swastika emblazoned flags across the street from a synagogue doing? Are they not intimidating people themselves? Huh. Again, no no GBI, no state patrol, no warning shots or rubber bullets. Just, well, First Amendment, they got the right. I'm going to offer a suggestion to my Jewish friends, listeners, anyone who fears this sort of intimidation, doing what it might, take a line from our friends in the LGBTQ plus community. We call them the Pansy Patrol. The Pansy Patrol has been in existence for decades now and exists almost literally just to literally shield hate from view. They have a First Amendment right just as much as the folks they seek to shield. And trust me when I tell you, every time there is a pride event of any magnitude, the predictable nuts on the extreme right, the uber-religious, undereducated, with their megaphones and hateful posters and their zingers and their chants, they show up with all of that at pride parades and festivals. And the Pansy Patrol literally patrols these events and then just kind of holds these huge, like the reason they're called the Pansy Patrol is because they hold these huge cutout flowers, petals, stems, and all, and create like a facade of a flower garden in front of these people. So that, for example, if you're in the parade or you're near where the demonstrators are on the parade route, they're blocked. You don't see them. I would suggest that our Jewish faith folk come up with their own pansy patrol. And every time you got a batch of nuts with Nazi Nazi paraphernalia, swastikas, et cetera, and so on, shows up across the street from a synagogue, you get on the horn and you call up your own pansy patrol. And then, boom, problem solved. All you see is a beautiful Cut out flower garden across the street from your synagogue. You know, it even wouldn't surprise me if the Pansy Patrol agreed to do this work for you or show you how they organize and how they create their flowers. And yeah, I reach out to them on social media. I would highly suggest that. I think there would be some collaboration there, some healthy dialogue and some joyful collaboration. I mean, anything to drown out Nazis, right? Anything to hide swastikas from view, right? That sort of repugnant behavior doesn't need to be seen, should be shamed, and no one who wants to see it should have to see it. Incidentally, the Attorney General, Chris Carr, hasn't tweeted anything about this. He hasn't tweeted since Father's Day weekend, actually. But again, technically, 
No laws were broken here. Just demonstrators demonstrating. Just funny how there's nobody showing up in riot gear to elicit a response from them. I mean, perhaps if they were trying to defend some trees or something like that while rocking Nazi paraphernalia, maybe then, maybe then we'd have jackbooted police folks showing up to intimidate. Speaking of, there was a, in fact, I saw witness to this. There was a rally Saturday night at uh, Woodlawn Park near East Atlanta Village. And the reason I say I saw this, my uh, my, my buddy Mike and I, we were going to go to the, uh, it's like an emo dance party at the basement. I know, what am I thinking? I'm like 50 years old. <laughs> it's his fault. Anyway, we went to go try and find a place to park near uh, the basement in East Atlanta Village. And we got sort of turned around looking for street parking. And all of a sudden, when I tell you a dozen or more APD vehicles came by, running a stop sign, by the way, they did. And they sort of converged at this big church parking lot. But they were kind of swooping around Woodlawn Park to disperse the uh, day of activism for the folks uh, in the Stop Cop City movement who were there. And the, the folks in the Stop Cop City movement all posting video, the Atlanta Press Collective posting videos of, again, these riot geared up APD officers just walking through their rally, just letting them know they were here. And really, that's not how you meet a peaceful protest unless you're looking to intimidate. That's the word of the segment, right? Intimidation. It's completely okay. And by the way, repudiated if you're a Nazi and you're flailing about your swastikas seeking to intimidate. Okay, you know what? I'm sort of getting off topic a little bit and we need to save the outrage for the Nazis. No doubt about it. We need to do that. And we're going to have a representative from the Southern Division of the Anti-Defamation League, the ADL, who will be on next segment. So stand by for that here on The Ron Show on the America One Radio app, americaoneradio.com or wherever you podcast. Welcome back to The Ron Show for Monday. Let's get right to it. The director for the Anti-Defamation League here in the Southeast, regional director for ADL Southeast is Aton Davidson. Also, from what I understand, a musician, because I went to Google, you all kinds of music stuff popped up. So you are multi-talented. Welcome to the show. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Ron. I appreciate it. Glad to be with you. We can talk music some other time, but in the meanwhile, we've had some uh, Nazi sightings outside of synagogues in Macon and at the Shabbat of Cobb in Cobb County. And what's the immediate reaction from the ADL office? Yeah, so th- this weekend, you know, I think a lot of folks were really disturbed to see this uh really hateful group of people touring the state, showing up in front of synagogues, demonstrating with Nazi flags and really, really disgusting anti-Semitic and racist and anti-LGBTQ messaging. Mm. Um, We are very familiar with this group, and I'm actually not going to say their name because um, this group thrives on attention. Mm. And and that's part of the catch-22 that we're finding ourselves in here because they just created a whole lot of noise and mess and we're talking about it right now, but let me try to put it in context if that's okay. Sure. Um, so this is a group that has been very active all over the country, but especially in the Southeast. Um, 
their MO is typically to drive into residential neighborhoods, leave baggies full of flyers and, you know, some other object in it to kind of keep it like a paperweight. But these flyers have really disgusting, anti-Semitic, hateful messages on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and generally, when people see this, when they see it on the number one, they're shocked. But number two, they, they can't believe it's real, that somebody would actually spread this garbage because that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so when this happens, we ask people to call local law enforcement and to report it to ADL at our website, ADL.org, where you can fill out an incident report. And we track this and their activity skyrocketed from 2021 to 2022. They are one of the main drivers behind a 400% increase in white supremacist propaganda from 2021 to 2022 in Georgia. Mm -hmm. So, so this is kind of more the same of that activity. Now, the new wrinkle here is that instead of like three or four people, it was about 11 people because a lot of their uh, associates from the state of Florida drove up. And um, we had advance warning of this. We alerted law enforcement that they would be coming to Georgia Mm. on this this tour that they called it. And we also alerted all of our community partners. That's all the synagogues and other Jewish institutions in the state Mm. so that they were on alert that these folks could show up. And mm. Indeed, they did. So it was sad. And I, I know the folks in Macon especially were really upset by this. Uh, and that congregation has been around 145 years and has never experienced anything like this. So to wake up in 2023 and see, you know, the equivalent of neo-Nazis demonstrating in front of your house of worship, it's, it's a pretty jarring thing. Now, I will say this. These are stunts. It's not like there's some upsurge of white supremacist, uh, you know, uh, affection. Right. This is the same group of people that pulls the same kinds of stunts wherever they go. So so people should take some comfort in that because law enforcement is monitoring them. Groups like ADL are monitoring them. Mm-hmm. We, we keep tabs on these folks. They are very clever in their tactics. They know the law. They understand the First Amendment and how to use it as a shield for right. their disgusting behavior. Right. And that's the challenge for us, because if anybody in this country is exercising their right to free speech according to the law, that is not a criminal offense. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we have to look at other tools and other ordinances, whether they be looking at things like littering or, or other kinds of violations that you could get. Sure. Sure. So it, it reminds me a little bit of like when you were a kid and your sibling would put their finger in front of your face, but not actually touching you so as to get away with not actually touching you. Great analogy. Yeah, it also reminds me a little bit, and I mentioned this in the segment before when I, uh, we were leading up to this uh, conversation, that the LGBTQ plus community in Atlanta, I don't know if this happens everywhere else, but may we offer a suggestion? They, the Pansy Patrol, I don't know if you're familiar with them at all, but the Pansy Patrol literally shows up with these 14-foot-high, wooden-cut-out flowers of multiple colors, huge petals and all this stuff. And when we have folks show up at festivals or the Pride Parade in October in Atlanta, the Pansy Patrol, literally dozens of them, will just show up and stand in front of them and blow whistles and you know uh, drums and stuff like that uh, and just kind of drown them out and hide them from view. Yes, I mean that is certainly one one tactic. I, I, I will say we generally advise not to engage, engage. these folks directly. Sure. Because, because yeah, they're dangerous. 
Well, yes, but but also they're seeking that kind of attention. Mm. For example, as people showed up to counter protest them in Cobb, mm. the larger the larger that crowd got, and it, I mean they this, the counter protesters vastly outnumbered the the white supremacist guys, of course. And um, but they just hung around, and news crews kept showing up, and they kept getting their images shown all over TV and the internet, which is exactly what they wanted. Mm. So. And, and, and look, not, not everybody knows that you shouldn't engage these folks. Some people think, no, I have to protest, and it, which is, comes from exactly the right place. But in, in this kind of instance, you know, when, when that sibling is putting their finger in front of your face, turn away. Be, because, because they're trying to provoke a reaction. Sure, That's exactly sure. what they're trying to do. We're on with Aton Davidson, the regional director for the Southeastern Anti-Defamation League office uh, based here in Atlanta. Uh, over the weekend, we had uh, Nazi anti anti-Semitic rallies in Macon and in Atlanta. And a matter of fact, in Macon, there was sort of a, a a supportive rally that was sort of stirred up after that, right? That's right. That's right. Um, that's correct. I mean, it was really uh, it was encouraging to see members of the Macon community come together in a really powerful way to say, we're not going to stand for this and we're not going to tolerate it in our community. And, you know, that, that's some of the beauty that can arise out of awful events like this, where mm. people instinctively understand that we are all in this together. And that if my neighbor is, is threatened, I am threatened. Mm. And uh, seeing that kind of public support, I think makes us stronger. I think it shows the haters that, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry. You're, you're just whatever you're trying to do. It's not going to work. And so you were saying earlier that there is. I mean, is this definitive that there are ties with this same group and the literature that was littering uh, Metro Atlanta uh, communities, neighborhoods earlier this year? Yes, we can say that definitively. I mean, do they do they sign it that way, or is that just some sort of investigative work? Or well, it's not hard to find out because they typically live stream all their activities and claim credit for it. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good to know. So yeah. uh, again, the thing and, to, and by the way, Go ahead. that's, that's another reason not to confront these folks. They film everything. And mm. so, mm. you know, it, it's, it's not good to be in their crosshairs, so to speak, because it just, it's quite irritating. And so you, you suggested earlier that if uh, someone sees something like this sprouting up again, or there's, some sort of anti-Semitic or or pro-Nazi literature on driveways, yards, cars, flyers, anything like that. The thing to do is to call law enforcement and to also to report this to the ADL because you guys are monitoring this and uh, sort of keeping tabs so that the data is there, right? Correct. That's exactly right. And and why is that important? Uh, I just want you to kind of extrapolate why that's important to know. Because I noticed that, you you know, you guys keep up with the fact that the the anti-Semitic stuff really ratcheted up in 2022. And I don't know what 2023 data is looking like, but it's important that you guys know this. Data is hugely important for us because if we know where activities are happening, we can allocate resources better. It also, quite honestly, working with law enforcement is critical for this kind of work Mm. and to be able to give them the kind of data that we have, the kind of tips that we have, that means that they can then make sure people are following the law if they are not following it and take other actions if need be, if they're, um, if they're merited. Um, but just like the FBI maintains data and, and one of the things that we're in constant dialogue with the FBI about is the quality of that data, Mm. because we believe that, 
hate incidents, anti-Semitic incidents, they are all vastly underreported in this country. Um, so while we are seeing record numbers, we believe that's just part of the story. And we've seen a lot of violent acts in the last six to eight years or so. And it's sort yes. of important to know that sometimes when there's smoke, there might be a fire forthcoming. That's exactly right. We have seen too many incidents where it's, whether it's Tree of Life or Colleyville or Poway, where these extremists have committed terrible acts of violence and murder. And creating this kind of hateful atmosphere breeds that kind of behavior and activity. And so that's why we are so vigilant in monitoring it and reporting it. Well, we appreciate you doing that. That's ADL.org. If you'd like to ever report any sort of uh, information uh, for rallies or any sort of literature being spread, something like that. Aton Davidson, Regional Director for the Southeast Anti-Defamation League. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Ron. Take care. Archived audio, blogs, social media links, and more all in one place. Log on at ronshowatl.com. The Ron Show on America One Radio. Well, Fox News went ahead and uh, rearranged their lineup now so that everybody's going to be in their new place, and they're sliding in Jesse Waters. Jesse, remember, uh, used to be the the lackey on the street for Bill O'Reilly back in the day. Well, he now has the 8 p.m. slot on Fox News primetime. Laura Ingraham got moved up, that handsome lady, to the 7 p.m. slot, 9 p.m. Sean Hannity, and Greg Gutfeld, who is, uh, yuck. He, uh, he takes that 10 p.m. slot. It was Jesse Waters, by the way, the Waters World segment. I was trying to remember the name of it. That's the guy who used to hit the street for Bill O'Reilly. Uh, back in 2016, he is the guy, Jesse, who produced this uh, racist, stereotype-driven segment when he went to Chinatown in New York City, asking those in Chinatown questions like, am I supposed to bow to say hello? Asking questions like, tell me what's not made in China, and... Uh, do you know karate? With the song Kung Fu Fighting playing in the background. Um, he also stalked and harassed a journalist, a journalist by the name of Amanda Turkle back in 2009 while she was on vacation, uh, accusing her of causing pain and suffering to rape victims and their families after she was the one writing a story that called out Bill O'Reilly's pattern of victim-blaming rape survivors. Of course, you'll remember, Bill O, fired from Fox News in 2017, following years of sexual harassment reports against him, including at least $13 million in settlements. Anyway, that's your new Fox News primetime lineup, now with Jesse Waters. And the other thing I got to tell you is, being a former radio guy, when a popular radio DJ, like a morning show, nutty zoo, carnival guy, or gal gets blown out, it's the person that follows that has to somehow not just measure up, but maybe even exceed the antics of the person that just got blown out or moved on or was fired or retired or died or whatever. So keep your eye, and you know the folks at Media Matters for America will, at MediaMatters.org, by the way, this Jesse Waters character, who we already know has that smug, frat boyish, tongue-in-cheek, right-wing, snarky humor thing going on, now he's got his own show, Fox News Primetime, replacing Tucker Carlson, and he's got some big shoes to fill. And let's just sit back and watch and pop the popcorn. In the meanwhile, 
Let's talk a little bit about some of the things that Fox News is sliding, regressing on just a little bit when it comes to covering the Trump campaign or neglecting to cover some of what is happening in and around the Trump campaign with indictments dropping left and right and outrage from his fanatical base. So we have summoned Media Matters for a little bit of a discussion on what Fox News and their right-wing acolytes aren't covering when it comes to the Trump presidential campaign for 2024. Andrew Lawrence from Media Matters for America. Andrew, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great, Ron. How are you? Yeah, I guess you guys are managing to keep the lights on with all the work you're getting here of late. Uh, So with the Trump re-election campaign, I think there seems to be a sense amongst the American public, and tell me if if I'm wrong here, that we just kind of have this uh, resignation to us that, uh, okay, so he's the leading nominee on the GOP side, but he's not going to win re-election. Like, he's almost uh, not really a danger or a threat to the prosperity we've enjoyed for the last three years. But you guys are monitoring what big media in in general and Fox News in particular, OAN uh, as well, uh, and, and how they're treating his campaign. And there are repercussions to that. We've seen the sort of violence that that following not getting their way wrought on our Capitol building and throughout the rest of the country, Charlottesville comes to mind. And mm-hmm. there's a there's a growing sense of danger in in the coddling that the cable news industry is giving them. Am, am I am I wrong or am I somewhere in the ballpark here? Oh no, you're you're a hundred percent right. I mean, look, you know, like you said, not just Charlottesville, but I mean, you know, we've had these these mass shootings inspired by uh, rhetoric that has been popularized by right wing media mm. and specifically Fox News. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, you take a look at January 6th mm. and and this this Trump indictment, they, you know, right wing media. I'm seeing this nonstop on Fox News. They're using this as another excuse to spread election lies. They're saying that the 2024 election has been rigged and there's no way that that Biden, uh, Biden would win if, if the FBI wasn't behind him. And, you know, it's it's all of this stuff that that you would hope that they learn their lesson. Um you know, but they clear they clearly have, and 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 it's got to be good for their ratings. I mean, this is what their their viewers crave is this kind of nuttery. It's funny. I was uh, talking uh, in a Twitter thread earlier today, uh, trying to remember who it was that I was uh, chiming in on. But there's again, there's almost this resignation that well, he's not really a danger because mm-hmm. he's under yeah. indictment, and there's all the baggage and this, that, and the other. But there again, as you guys have have noted and been paying attention to. Right-wing media is just kind of setting it up for a soft landing for him to get this nomination. There doesn't seem to there 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 seems to be a setup for 2016 playing all over again. Only this time he has the uh, campaign apparatus. Oh, and by the way, already the de facto leader of the GOP. Exactly. No, I was just going to make that exact same point. I mean, you look back at 2016, and at this point, Trump was was polling at one percent, two percent, you know, in the Republican primary. And now he's the overwhelming leader, um, over over fifty percent easily, and um, so he's way ahead of where he was in 2016. And I mean, look, one one major disaster, uh, you know, the the stock market crashing uh, in October of next year. Um, mm. It's something that we have to take really seriously. And you know, I mean, it's it's the world we're living in right now. I mean, the 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 almost certain nominee for president in the Republican Party is facing life in jail. 
Um, and, and we're all just sort of plugging along like that's normal and it's, and it really isn't. Tell me this, is there, I, I guess when you look at the, the, the current field running against Donald Trump on the GOP yeah. side, there, there seems to be only actual teeth for Donald Trump's hide coming out of the Chris Christie camp. Are they giving him enough of an opportunity to take up some of the oxygen in the room on that race? No, no, absolutely not. I mean, you know, he'll be on the debate stage, but it's, you know, uh, questionable if Trump is going to show up. But, you know, all of these candidates, other than Chris Christie right now, they are all sitting there saying, I'm basically Donald Trump. And you know what? Like, Donald Trump is in the race. Like, if if I'm a Republican MAGA voter and I love Donald Trump, mm. saying that you're like Donald Trump isn't going to be enough for me because I have the real thing right in front of me. Mm. And, you know, I, I really do feel like there is an opening there for somebody like DeSantis if he actually brought the guns out. But, um, you know, but he can't do it. And and just watching watching conservative media, watching Fox News, I, I feel like these MAGA types, uh, you know, the Trump supporters, the Fox News viewers, I think what they want more than anything is an alpha. You know, they want the top dog. They mm -hmm. want to vote for the winner. And there was this opportunity there for Ron DeSantis to, you know, really take a step up and to really hammer Donald Trump when this indictment came down. And instead, he's saying that he's just going to pardon him, you know? So, yeah, it, it's really interesting. The dynamics there are absolutely fascinating. And, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't really see an alley there for anybody other than Trump unless they go in on him and and they're just scared to do it because they don't want to turn off his his voters. But, um, you know, I think <laughs> I think that they could win over some voters if they just went after him guns blazing. Well, when you look at the numbers, when you look at the breakdown in the candidates, Donald Trump, Donald, like 2016, does not get 50 percent, uh, never, never crosses that threshold. But mm -hmm. when you add the rest of them up together, they also don't. But at the same time, the guy amongst the others that gets more of the numbers is a lot more Trump-like than than the rest of the the, the field altogether. I was watching the uh, the Tim Scott town hall, and Tim Scott literally just lobbed the softball, the greatest hits of one-liners, you know, to to, to elicit right. uh, audience reaction. N nothing real substantively, and he of course tap dancing around, you know, any any illusions about what he would do uh, with a, an indicted and a prosecuted Donald Trump as well. But it's it's not like you can even look at the rest of the field and say, well, if they just all came to realize they need to come together and form one opposition ticket versus him, that that would actually yield any other result than Donald Trump winning the nomination anyway. Right, right. Yeah, and I mean, it's, you know, I think what it's going to take is eventually uh, the party leaders and the big money donors are going to have to just get sick of losing. You mm. know, I mm. mean, since since 2016, it has been nothing but losses for the Republican Party. I mean, they should have a 40 seat majority right now in the House. And instead, it's, you know, three, four five. And the reason why is because they've gone bananas, you know, um, and there's still what's really interesting to me is. The, mess, the messaging that they ran on in the midterms and got shellacked in, hmm. they're, they're running on the exact same messaging. It's still crime and inflation and uh, transphobia and all of that type of stuff that has not worked for them in the past. So, 
you know, it's it's interesting. But then at the same time, like if you're a Republican politician and that's not the stuff that you're focused on, if you're focused on other stuff, you're not going to you're going to get primary loose. So, you know, they put themselves they've really created Frankenstein's monster here and and they, they they've they've really put themselves in a tough position. Yeah, yeah. Frankenstein has definitely left the uh, the, the the chamber, left the <laughs> left the, the building and it's impossible to corral him. Uh, they, mm-hmm. No remote control for him whatsoever. But at, at the same time, as you pointed out, there has to be this, this pivotal moment where a substantial number on the right is tired of losing, but also attributes the losing to him. You hear that kind of language out of Ron DeSantis, and you definitely hear it out of Chris Christie, but you don't hear it out of cable television, not at mm-hmm. least the, the, you know, the, the, the Foxes and the OANs. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, look, they, first of all, they don't want, they don't want Trump to tweet about them and say, don't watch Jesse Waters or don't watch Laura Ingram or whatever it is, you know? So mm-hmm. I think that's first of all, but I mean, look, th- we're talking about uh, TV channel right now, cable news. They are more interested in viewers and ratings than they are in, in winning elections. And, you know, I, I've said this a few times, but I feel like in, in the past before Trump, Fox News really existed to prop up the Republican Party. Right. And and since since then, since Trump, I feel it's more like the Republican Party exists to prop up Fox News. <laughs> and, and, you know, like their, their entire goal is to just, you know, get an interview on there and, and be able to sell their book. And, you know, winning majorities maybe isn't super important for them. So it's things are very backwards right now, uh, the right-wing movement. But, mm. um, you know, it's, it, it's interesting to watch for sure. Well, also um, ratings. Yeah. But, I mean, you have to bring up ratings when you when you talk about this. We're with Andrew Lawrence from Media Matters for America. I just saw recently where MSNBC actually bests Fox News in recent ratings. Yep. Yeah, no, Fox is, Fox is taking it on the chin right now. And, you know, we'll see. We'll see how that... Um, how that moves, you know, I think the, the the wounds from Tucker being fired are still very fresh for mm. conservative media. Mm. Um, you know, but all it takes is one big scandal, one big Biden scandal or something, and, and their ratings will be right back uh, where they are. You know, I, I really expect them uh, to sort of take the top spot in ratings again eventually, but sure. I, I don't think it'll be where it was. Yeah, um, yeah. A couple of years ago, like a you substantial know. gulf in numbers, right? Uh, right. So, I guess my, my last question to you. Speaking of uh, scandal, the 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 scandal that and I'm telling you, I watched the Tim Scott Town Hall roll right into the Ingram angle, and and watching her opening monologue, it's like living in a a dystopian alter reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, all they can talk about is Hunter Biden and the preferential treatment he's getting from the justice system. While their guy is able to run for president while indicted, right, right. It's, I mean, the whole thing. It's we were talking about this. Me and my team uh, were talking about this yesterday. Just how the, you know, they they really don't have anything to talk about. Um, it's just sort of the same thing over and over again. And this week particularly, it's felt like they're just sort of making things up out of whole cloth. I mean, it it, it feels like. All of a sudden, you know, there's a, a new document that James Comer found or, or some <laughs> random whistleblower. If or, only, if only there were a document. <laughs> that, that nobody has seen, right? You know, right. nobody knows if it even exists. But all of a sudden, and that's what I mean when I say that the Republican Party exists to prop up Fox News. They're giving Fox News segments right there. They're giving them something to talk about. James, coming up with that document that nobody's seen, got James Comer's face on Fox News. I, I don't know. Okay. 
every couple of hours he was on there talking about it. Mm. And so that's that's sort of the dynamic that I'm talking about that is very backwards. And it, it can be very dangerous for the country as well, you know, because they they have to keep getting more and more extreme to keep appealing to these viewers. Um, and if they don't, if they don't get more extreme, the viewers will just go somewhere else where they're saying the words that they want to hear. So it's, uh, yeah, it's really interesting. It, it is. And, and I, you mentioned Comer and I couldn't have picked him out of a police lineup two weeks ago yeah. if you'd asked me to, but there, there seems to be this cottage industry of feigning outrage about something to become a star at something. I mean, think about the, uh, uh, Riley Gaines, for example, I, I yep. never knew who she was. Of you know, a tied for fifth place NCAA swimmer never gets national headlines, except when there's anti-trans rhetoric to gin up, and their Fox News is to facilitate it. Yeah, yeah, no, it's. Um, I mean, it, there's this entire complex, you know, and and there isn't any talent to it at all. I mean, really, no. all you have to do is just. You have to have absolutely no shame, and you have to just say the right words. And you know, me and me, me and my coworkers joke all the time that we could walk over to Fox News right now and get a, a five hundred thousand dollar a year uh, contract if we just started saying the right words and and you know lost all of our shame um, because it's it's very easy to do. They all say the same stuff. They're all reading from the exact same playbook. It'd be funny, except for the fact that every once in a while, these electoral college quirks happen and we wind up under some sort of scary leadership. Andrew Lawrence, Media Matters for America, all over the story. Follow them at MediaMatters.org. Thanks for the time. I appreciate you giving us an update. Thanks for having me, Ron. It was great. Final segment of The Ron Show for Monday. And I figure, why after anti-Semitism and the Jesse Waters story, let's... Let's be a little lighthearted if we can and check in on Marjorie Taylor Greene. By the way, the Freedom Caucus is talking about removing Marjorie Taylor Greene. What? I mean, you've got to be pretty despicable, pretty cray-cray for the Freedom Caucus to look at booting you. But this, according to Politico, um, this, according to Politico, Olivia Beavers reports that House Freedom Caucus members took a momentous vote last Friday on Marjorie Taylor Greene's future with the group, according to three people familiar with the matter, but it's not yet clear whether she's been officially ejected. This group took up Greene's status in an internal push, first reported by Politico last week, to consider purging members who are inactive or at odds with the Freedom Caucus. Marge's close alliance with Speaker Kevin McCarthy and her accompanying criticism of colleagues in the group Lauren Boebert, has put her on the opposite side of a block that made its name opposing GOP leadership. The Politico piece continues, while her formal status in the conservative group remains in limbo, the 8 a.m. Friday vote, which sources said, ended with a consensus against her, points to at least continued strong anti-green sentiment within the Freedom Caucus. Are you believing this? Okay, I mean, that's that's juicy, but I guess I mean better. <laughs> so Marjorie tweets on the night of Sunday night. Last night in my D.C. residence, y'all, the TV turned on by itself. The screen showed someone's laptop trying to connect to the TV. Just for the record, I'm very happy. I'm also very happy and eat well and exercise a lot. I don't smoke and never have. I don't take any medications. I am not vaccinated, so I'm not concerned about blood clots, heart conditions, strokes, or anything else. 
literally, this is her tweeting, y'all. Nor do I have anything to hide. I just love my country and the people and know how much they've been screwed over by the corrupt people in our government. And I'm not willing to be quiet about it or willing to go along with it. Is this Marjorie thinking that someone turned on her TV to spy on her? Why, yes, that's exactly what she's thinking. Because she linked a 2019 article from CBS News. Headline, your smart TV might be spying on you, FBI warns. The story actually alludes to the fact that your smart TV might pose a security threat to someone hacking into your router. But that would require Marjorie to read the article. Readings for liberals. So I, I know we, we spoke about neo-Nazis and white supremacy in the first segment, but let's give uh, Representative Congressman Andrew Clyde a little bit of airtime before we wrap the show here up in the next few minutes. Uh, according to the jolt at theajc.com, uh, Congressman Clyde has successfully inserted language into a House appropriations bill to officially kill any efforts to rename Lake Lanier and Buford Dam. Both are located in Clyde's Northeast Georgia 9th Congressional District and both named after Confederate folk. The Army Corps of Engineers earlier this year said it was beginning the process of renaming both under a mandate in a 2020 defense funding bill that said military assets named after Confederates should get new monikers. But after local backlash, there always is, the Corps said it was sheltering the, shelving the renaming process, I should say, for Lake Lanier and adjacent Beaufort Dam indefinitely. Now, although there's no indication those talks have or will be reviewed, according to the Jolt article, the Athens Republicans' amendment would erase any gray area. Politico covers that uh, Clyde's amendment to the Energy and Water Development Appropriations Bill would prevent federal dollars from being used to rename facilities built by the Army Corps that carry the names of people with ties to the Confederacy. Really what you want to hang your name on, Andrew? Uh, the AJC also reports it does not block the renaming process already underway for military bases. Confederate lovers have uh, had a losing bout with the military on that front. Uh, Fort A.P. Hill in Virginia, uh, uh, da, 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 changing to Fort Walker. Fort Pickett in Virginia, renamed Fort Barfoot in honor of Army Tech Sergeant Van T. Barfoot. Uh, Fort Benning here in Georgia now is Fort Moore. Fort Gordon named Fort Eisenhower, Fort Bragg, Fort Liberty, Fort Hood in Texas, Fort Cavazos, Fort Lee in Virginia, going to Fort Greg Adams, Fort Polk in Louisiana, going to be Fort Johnson after Army Sergeant William Henry Johnson, whose actions in the Argonne Forest in France would posthumously earn him a Medal of Honor for his service in World War I. Fort Rucker in nearby Alabama, switching its name to Fort Novosol to commemorate Army Chief Warrant Officer uh, Michael J. Novosol, while under fire during the Vietnam War, he would earn the Medal of Honor after saving 29 soldiers in a medevac mission under such conditions. I just thought we mentioned that this whole protecting Confederate <clears throat> heroes' names on publicly funded statues and parks and lakes and bases is something that has been something of a losing battle for folks like Andrew Clyde. But persist he will to keep Buford Dam and Lake Lanier. First of all, the, the, the name Lake Lanier, I mean, listen, we, we've all been on Lake Lanier. It's usually perfectly fine. The only time Lake Lanier actually normally gets headlines 
is when there's like a spate of drownings. So you just want to keep your Confederate hero's name on that. I mean, eh, do what you will. All right. That's going to do it for the Ron Show for the day. I want to thank Aton uh, uh, Davidson from the Anti-Defamation League, Southeast Regional Director, for joining me to discuss the spate of anti-Semitism in Macon and in Cobb County over the weekend. I also want to thank Andrew Lawrence from Media Matters for America for joining me as well. Listen to The Ron Show wherever you like on any podcast platform. You can do that. We've got all the links at ronshowetl.com or on America One Radio or the America One Radio app available on the iTunes or Google Play Market. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great one.